Hey everyone, this is Jason from Sheep Out of Water. In this episode, Chris and I discuss how complacency is the enemy of greatness. We examine what living complacently looks like and how to apply righteousness, devotion, love, patience, and gentleness in our daily lives. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share with others. And as always, before listening, we encourage you to check out the scripture that served as the basis of our conversation. You can find it linked in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome, welcome everyone to Sheep Out of Water. We are joining you for the Sunday reading series once again. Chris, the former priest, and this is Jason, the former atheist. We're happy you're with us. Welcome, everybody. Chris, how are you? I am happy. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's been a challenging, challenging week, but we're getting through it. Still house stuff and work things and I can't quite figure out and just, you know, one of those weeks. Well, I can, I can join you now with the uh, plumbing and house stuff because we came downstairs to play with Luke the other day and I noticed a little bit more condensation on the window. You know, it's one of those small windows near the ceiling in the basement. And there's a little more condensation on there than there should have been. So I started looking at that and then I traced that over and then found a big, three foot long stain mm. reaching from the wall straight out into the room on the ceiling. And then another stain about four feet long along the, where the ceiling meets the wall. And then I felt the wall and I did notice that wasn't wet, thankfully, but my feet were sopping wet. Oh. And so somehow something has happened where there's water coming from the ceiling, water coming from the up above, beneath the house, and so we've had dehumidifier running for four days straight now and just keeps pumping that water out. So oh, man, God I'm with you now. <laughs> it's just so fun to deal with. Well, Chris and I were chatting and also Jen and Corinne, and, and we had some, a different approach, we think, to this type of conversation. And what we want to try and do this week, it might be a little different as talk about the main theme of the readings, and then maybe take a little bit more time to talk about how to apply that to our everyday lives. And as we were talking about that, we thought that was a good idea. And then we pulled out the readings for this week and uh, the Holy Spirit came through because the way the readings are lined up for this Sunday, it's really easy to do that. So the main theme, very clear in the readings is combating or trying to deal with complacency. And that comes through, here's the first line of the uh, first reading in Amos chapter 6, verses 1, and then 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, woe to the complacent in Zion. Pretty clear. That's not a good thing. Being complacent. Uh, Doesn't want us to be complacent. No. So the gospel uh, also gets into this issue. And we'll dive into it, I'm sure, in depth, but it's it's Luke 16, 19 through 31. And this is the story of the rich man uh, dressed in purple garments and uh, having this, this exchange with Lazarus. Um, and we'll get into the details, but, but those are the two main readings kind of covering this complacency issue. But I thought it'd be interesting. That word means something to us in modern day times, I would think. But what does it mean to be complacent if you're thinking biblically? 
to be able to sum it up in just a couple words, I would say at a place in your life where you just are happy being focused on your own comfort, not worried about God, not worried about your fellow man or woman, not really worried about anybody else but yourself and just happy that you are where you are and doing what you're doing. Doesn't sound like a bad thing, does it? I mean, at least the second part, to be happy where you are and doing what you're doing. Yeah, it, it really rings true to the whole, well, hey, you know, if I'm not hurting anybody, everything's okay, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, which is such a stupid saying anyway, <laughs> because, and I, I mean, follow the, even if you don't want to get into philosophy, like, just follow the reason. If I'm not hurting anybody else, it's okay. Well, if you're hurting yourself, then eventually you're going to be hurting other people. And you're just, so you are the absolute loneliest person in the entire planet. And even then, it's still going to be affecting all of us who are the body of Christ, at least as Christians. Yeah, right. If everyone's just trying to chase comfort and not to, you know, not to try anything hard, then nothing's going to get done, right? Right. And we're going to probably put our comfort over others. And that's where conflict actually happens probably more often than when I'm aggressively taking and, and all these other things. Yeah. You know, I, I identified with this theme because I think I shared in our origins episode, I, I was definitely an individual uh, that had complacency as, as my goal. <laughs> my, my attitude in life was, Hey, you know, I, I think I worked hard at work, but I thought if I you know had a good job, took care of that, was faithful to my wife, then I had every right to sit on the couch all weekend long and watch sports and and maybe mow the lawn once every week or something like that. But th that's pretty much all I pursued was just, hey, I work hard. I'm paying the bills. I, I have every right to sit on the couch and watch sports all weekend. And, and that was what I attained to be. Yeah. And, and who's to say you didn't have that right? I mean, there, there's nothing in and of itself wrong with that, you know, in terms of just like being able to take a break from your labors, but it's what God is then calling us to after that. Yeah. When, when there I mean, are others in need. Yeah. And how, how does that, when, when I was acting that way, how, how did that actually help my son? you know, at the time, you know, back then, and, you know, he was a little guy and I don't know how that impacted him as a, you know, little toddler, but, but as he, you know, grew up, if I would have stayed in that mindset, he would have started to emulate that or, and, and then have to kind of figure things out on his own without any kind of guidance or wisdom. Uh, and I don't know uh, if that's a great thing. No. And, and there's a lot of pitfalls in that too. You know, there's, I was listening to a, a recent episode on behavior of chimpanzees because, yeah, that's what we dorks do in our free time is <laughs> listen to things like that. And it talked about preference mating with chimpanzees. And I, I was just kind of blown away by, by the reality of, of how that affects us as human beings as, as well, is that we may have gotten married and mated with our spouse but there's a, a, a an inward desire of the female 
as well as a male to continue to want to be attracted to the male. And if all we do is sit around and are complacent, where's the adventurer? Where's the conqueror? Where's the knight in shining armor? Where's any of those things? And so we risk losing the attraction that our wives have for us. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, Corinne, I'm sure would be the first to tell you that as I'm sitting there on the couch doing nothing, she was doing everything. Right. And that wears on your partner. And it's certainly not a, a manly attribute. And it's certainly not a, a good partner attribute. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's great. Uh, you know, if, if you have the ability to, if you're married and you have the ability that where one person works and the other person doesn't have to work, terrific. Good for you. That's awesome. But today is a lot different than 1950s. And so, you know, Jen works all week long and does the lion's share of watching Luke when she's, because she works from home. So does the lion's share of him at home. And then I come home and I just want to prop my feet up. (laughs) No way, Buster. Yeah. Not, not the fairest of things. No, because you'll put, and this is where I wanted to get to here in these readings and not rushing us along or anything, but you make your bed, right? And so if I want to come home and sit my ass down and watch the TV or whatever, who's that eventually going to hurt me? Right. It, it bothers her and then she gets angry and then that comes to me and then <laughs> I have to deal with her anger as well as not being able to watch whatever I wanted to watch. And then, dealing with my immaturity and my inability to react and my desire to avoid conflict. And dear God, it turns into this voracious tornado of misery (laughs) because of my desire for complacency. Yeah. So I think all of these readings, what God is saying to us in short here, it's just, you're making your bed, dude. And if you are going to be one of those guys that tries to get away with complacency, all right, then you're going to be the first ones that get sent into exile in the first reading. You're going to be the one who's arched and trying to speak across this chasm to Abraham and to Lazarus. Just send him here with a dip of water. I mean, talk about misery. Yeah. And Not- why? Because you put yourself there. Yeah. And I can identify with that to an extent as, as I live that way. And, and you know, I you know still probably could do a better job as we speak as well, but, but certainly it was really bad back in, back in those days, I was making that bed and, and it had an impact over the course of nine or so years in our, in our relationship. And, and, you know, things were falling apart and largely because of the way I was living life in that manner. And I know this feeling as, as things are starting to fall apart, you start to realize, and then it, but fortunately for me, it was, not too late. It was really close, but I could identify with the rich man finally realizing this, you know, for him, it was way too late, but then just at least trying, Hey, tell my brothers about this. Like, this is, mm-hmm. I'm, it's too late for me, but tell them. And just, just that attitude of, Oh gosh, now I get it. And and you can almost feel this attitude coming from him that, man, this wasn't worth it. Yeah. I can't believe what I did. I wasted all that time. You, you can almost 
literally feel that in this reading. And it, there isn't a whole lot of words that describe that, but that's the feeling that comes out of his reaction. It's not, he's not angry. He just wants Lazarus to tell his brothers, you know, and help him out. Yeah. And it, to me, that shows the dude was not a bad guy. I mean, you know, there's nothing in the first reading that says these people are intrinsically evil. There's yeah. nothing in the gospel that says he's intrinsically evil. It's just that he sat on his ass and didn't do anything. <laughs> and he's got this person at the gate so poor that he was desperate just for the scraps to fall from his table. Didn't get them. Dogs are licking his sores, pretty miserable, and eventually dies. He didn't do anything wrong in that he directly hurt him. He indirectly hurt him by not doing anything. Right. And the same thing in that first reading, they're just sitting around on their ivory beds and their couches and they're playing their own music and they're doing all of these things just to hang out, be comfortable, be complacent, but there's nothing intrinsically evil that they're doing. And yet they're the first ones sent out into exile. And it's the same thing for you. There's nothing intrinsically evil that you were doing. There's nothing intrinsically evil that I am like in, in my very being for all of our listeners you may not know Jason, right? But it's the same thing for you. God didn't create you intrinsically evil. No. But you can bet your ass if you're just going to sit around and be complacent that bad is going to come from that because it's not what he called you to. Yeah. Or for. That's the ultimate positive message from these readings is that we're made for more. And we can choose to be complacent. We get to choose that. Again, here's free will. But we're made for more, and there's all these reminders of this, and and it's just such a that attitude of it's just such a waste when we don't try to to see what the more is in our lives, and it's different for all of us, right? So it just you turn this quickly into a positive that way. I feel, yeah, yeah. So I certainly identified with the rich uh, man in purple. Not that I'm, I was rich, but I certainly pursued complacency. What we were talking do you about like in terms purple. Do I do I? No. Do you like to wear purple? <laughs> no. Not usually. I don't mind. I don't I think I, I think I look good in purple, actually. I should yeah? wear it more. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure <laughs> that happens then. Next episode. We'll make sure you're in Christmas. Grim- there you go. I want a purple plaid shirt for Christmas. Grimace purple from <laughs> McDonald's, right? Wasn't that the big purple thing? I don't even know what he was supposed to be. Wasn't his name Grimace? Was that McDonald's? Or I was something know. else. No, it was always Ronald McDonald. Hi. Was it? I don't know. There's like this purple big thing that would run around and follow Ronald McDonald in the commercials. I, I felt like his name was Grimace, but I, I really could be making this up. We'll have to figure it out later. And I watched I'll a lot of TV back in the day with a lot of commercials. So I feel like it could be true because there are a lot of McDonald's commercials. Well, you were sitting there on the couch watching that TV. I, I'm going to go with what you're saying. <laughs> I'm going to trust you. I have no idea. No <laughs> idea. Uh, but as we were talking earlier, I want to get into how we apply this. And, and what was really awesome about these readings, we get into the second reading. Uh, one, again, we're in 1 Timothy again this week, uh, chapter 6, verses 11 through 16. And this just, I read this and I'm like, oh, so how do we, how do we not be complacent? And St. Paul's like, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. You, man of God, pursue righteousness, devotion, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And I love this, compete well for the faith. So he's giving us the recipe and how we apply this in in life. 
so that we're not complacent. And I'm like, okay, well, let's let's look at these words and, and see how this how we can help interpret for ourselves and, and for our listeners. And I got stuck quite a bit in the word righteousness. Hmm. What'd you find? From, find I, you I started from? really thinking about that word because sometimes it has a negative connotation because a lot of times we're talking about people being self-righteous. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a pitfall, right? I I said, okay, well, what does living a righteous life look like? And as I'm digging around and searching and it, it, I came to this realization, it's, it's almost, it, it's simple trying to identify what's true and good from God's perspective in life. Mm-hmm. divine law, natural law, whatever. Okay. Well then how do we, that's great. That's a deep philosophical way to look at it. How about looking at the 10 commandments? He, the, God gave us these commandments to live righteously and let's dive into those. And what a great way for anybody, like open it up in, in the catechism, of the Catholic church does a beautiful job of, of taking the 10 commandments and applying them to our daily lives. Um, so, you know, worshiping God, right. And, and not using God's name in vain and, and those kinds of things. So it's, for anybody out there, to me, it's, it's simple. It's read through those and then pick one or two to focus on because this is our life's work. And that's another thing that you learn is that this isn't something you're going to figure out in one reading. You're going to read it, understand it, and then try to do the work for the rest of your life. And so one of the things that came across as I was reading through those was, all right, let's just pick one. Being truthful is pretty important in the eyes of God, living righteously. The world we live in right now, we're constantly trying to manipulate each other. And, and that's what hit my head. We say things and we think of all these really creative ways to say things. And we want to worry about the optics and all this stuff so that we can convince you to believe what I believe. And force it down your throat, right? And we all do it to an extent, but I feel like it's so prevalent right now. But is that really truthful? If I'm trying to manipulate you and change meanings to words and trick you into thinking that this is a good thing when it may not really be, uh, I don't think that's truthful. So let your yes be yes and your no be no is, is something that came through as a way to try to apply that. And being truthful, even in small things, that's not easy for all of us. No, no, that's a great, great way to apply to me. Living righteously is just, just start with just always being truthful. And like you said, if you just pick one of those and you really focus on it and you begin to really commit yourself to it, to compete well for the faith, to really give yourself to that. Some of the other things are going to come along with that. Because if I'm focused on telling the truth to myself, to my loved ones, to people I don't even know, then there's going to be other components that that just come alongside with that. I'm going to be more devoted to God so that I pray more. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to church on Sundays. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the things that are called, uh, that I'm called to from the Holy Scriptures. You know, whether it's the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, the New Testament, God has called each one of us to put him first and given us a certain hierarchy then to, to put our spouse second, our families third, others fourth, but to especially make sure that the poor mm-hmm. and those who have less are at 
the top five of our priority list or else we could justify our own complacency by not then also devoting attention to them as well. Yeah. As you dive in the catechism, I think we touched on this a little bit too, breaking down those 10 commandments. It talks about the importance of private ownership and those kinds of things. But the purpose of that is that you use your private ownership and your wealth to help others. Right. You want to talk about the tough way to live righteously is, Hey, am I using my, my money, my time, my resources for others, or is it really all about my comfort? Yeah. We, it, and it's not a call to socialism. It's mm-hmm. not a call to communism. And I, I would say that Christ himself would say there would be no need for those types of ideologies. If you would just do what I'm asking you to do yeah, and what God uh, asks us to do in the old Testament, which is to truly care for those who are need. Yeah. Needy. We got a great example of this. Karen and I were invited to go to this couple's retreat a number of years ago. And it was this annual trip that this couple would, would provide very well to do. Um, but this was a mission of theirs. They had a house in Hawaii in, in Kauai, beautiful, right? Beautiful place. And basically they, the way they set this retreat up is you would, you, you had to get yourself there, but you stayed in this house, beautiful house with, with other couples. And they had a whole week long retreat set up for, for married couples on the island and doing all these cool activities. So a lot of hiking and all these cool activities, but then we would always come back for dinner and we would have some discussion at night. What a great example of using your resources. In this case, they had a lot of money. And they would commit to these and people they didn't know. We didn't know them. We were got invited by another friend. That's how it worked. Um, talk about a great way to commit. And it, it had very, you know, it was a Christian-based um, retreat. But that's that's a not a lot of people are willing to give up their homes and their time and their effort in that way. So it's yeah. a great example, I think, of, of what you're saying. Very commendable. Yeah, yeah. It was a great trip. So for sure. If you're ever invited, you should go. <laughs> it reminds me of um, one of the things that happened uh, after I left the priesthood. And I, I didn't know where to go, you know, and, and what to do. Didn't know what kind of gifts or talents I had outside of the priesthood and how those could apply, especially since I had, I was 15 down years, 15 years down the road. And so a pretty wealthy uh, man that I knew, he and his wife, uh, provided money to a career counselor for me. And this is someone who loved my priesthood, loved me living out my priesthood the way I did. And after I left, didn't just turn his back or say, you know, you've left the church or you've left the priesthood or whatever. He said, all right, let's help you get on your feet. I'm not going to give you any money to do that. And I didn't ask for any money, (laughs) but he said, let me help you with a career coach. And so he could have been very complacent and just enjoyed his wealth and said, well, we lost another good priest. Oh, well, keep warm and well-fed. We'll say a prayer for you. No, he said, we're going to say a prayer for you. Keep warm and well-fed. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to help you out to try to get you on your feet. Just like that couple that you're talking about in, in Hawaii. Yeah, It's a mindset that says, I've got a lot. And I'm going to enjoy it, 
but I don't stop there. I'm going to keep on giving. And you don't even have to have a lot. You just have to have that mindset. It's like you and I saw in Haiti, you know, people that were opening up their houses to the point where they live on dirt floors. Yeah. And I'm not laughing because they live on dirt floors. I'm laughing because I cannot believe the open heartedness. It just overwhelms me how beautiful it is that when we were walking in there, they would sweep. I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. the one lady swept some of the loose dust out of the way for us coming into the house. What the heck kind of beautiful heart is that? I will tell you what was not complacent in Haiti. And it is every time I think about that trip and the other time I was there as well is their faith. Mm-hmm. The people in Plaisance where we went, they would, some would walk for miles and, and to get to mass in their, in their finest. And you want to talk about worshiping, right? Man, <laughs> the, the, the singing, which is, beautiful and just there was no one distracted they were all focused on what was going on on the prayers and participating and and we didn't know what i didn't know the language we didn't know what's going on right like and then and then the, the priest would get up and and um preach from from the heart and, and didn't understand the words that were being said but you could see it was having this impact and just it had a different a completely different feel to the mass because of people engaged definitely not complacent. Um, one of the, one of the most beautiful Eucharistic adorations I've ever seen, uh, took place, uh, at St. Michael's there. Uh, you know, I just happened to stumble into the church in, cause I had kind of come back late from where, we're, what we were doing at the school and I was looking for everybody and I literally got just stopped. They were having Eucharistic, uh, an adoration procession inside the church. And I, I don't know how long I stood there because I just was completely lost in what was happening because of how, how engaged they were in, in this worship. It was amazing. Yeah. And, and for our listeners, I think another um, important thing to do is, is to look at this and say, and it's not like Haiti is just this magical, beautiful place of faith either, because right outside of those church walls is a, a courtyard, which the rectory, the school and the church are all attached to. And Jason and I, for the first time in our lives, watched someone get beaten (laughs) with a stick. And they were very, very worked up on some kind of drugs. Uh, It was somebody who was threatening our group, threatening other people. Mm -hmm. And it took four men just to restrain him, and they couldn't. And so the police came and started beating him with this. And I'll never forget the sound of that stick on flesh because I'd never heard anything like that. So it's not like like I said, it's, it's not this magical place. You've got Eucharistic adoration, one that stopped Jason in his tracks, the faith, of the people, and right next to it is this drug addicted beating taking place and these threatening words and all this hatred. And that's exactly what the readings are saying to us this week, which is you are in the world, but you should not be of the world. Yeah. So get off your ass because you will make your own bed. And if you sleep in this bed of complacency, you're going to deal with the consequences. You said something looking at, again, what St. Paul was talking about. And we talked about righteousness. And then he says, he lists devotion right next to it. And you said this, and I, I want to repeat it in, in teaching RCIA for years. You would hear this. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. Here's the beautiful thing about faith and, and worship and pick something, 
mm-hmm. pick something, try the liturgy of the hours in, in the morning. Like one of the first things I, I did as a brand new baby Catholic, Chris invited me and another guy in our parish to, to meet him once a week early in the morning before work. And we would go over and, and pray the liturgy of the hours in the morning. And I didn't know what that guy was doing, but I just did it. I'm like, okay, I have no idea. I feel completely awkward, but I'm just going to do it. And that was such a huge impactful moment for me because I was way out of my comfort zone, but it became part of this, my life. It became this devotion that I was committed to for, for so, so long. And, but here's the cool thing too. Like I felt that that fell by the wayside for a few, few things, but you know what? I picked up other devotionals. Mm -hmm. And so pick something and do it. It's that simple, but just wake up in the morning and and pick a simple prayer and and do that for 30 days straight. Start there, you know, make it a habit. Yeah. Make it a habit. And then when you start to wane or wander, there's no rule that says you have to keep doing that for the next 30 days. Pick something else. (laughs) Pick something else, God, because you've got plenty of options as a Catholic. I mean, that's the great thing about it. There's so many different ways that you can, you can devote your time to God. Um, so I had, I had another question with these. I think we, we talk a lot about faith and we talk about love and uh, you and I both struggle with patience. We've talked about that. Why, why is gentleness so important? I, I, <laughs> why is that such an important thing that, that St. Paul is bringing that up? Uh, man, you stumped me there. Cause I, I don't know <laughs> what the original word would have been that, that Paul would have used. So I, I, I'm just going to assume gentleness is probably the best translation for that. But uh, he's talking to Timothy and in talking to Timothy, you can almost read Timothy as a priest retreat as a bishop being a father as he ought to be to his priests, their spiritual father and really coaching them through their ministry. And so what I'm trying to get at there is he's talking to Timothy. He's talking to a man. He's talking to men this isn't to exclude women, but this is specifically to a man. And, he, you know, it comes down again to that conqueror and that the, the knight who can go out and really conquer the dragons and, and get the bad guys and be fishers of men and do all this you know, manly chest pumping kind of stuff. But that when it comes to taking care of the poor, when it comes to taking care of the widows and the orphans, there's got to be a, a level of gentility, a gentleness mm-hmm. that he approaches. And one of the saints said, you know, be a lion in the pulpit, but be a, a lamb in the confessional, meaning go out there and set the world on fire and preach Christ like everything depends upon it because it does. But in the confessional, when people are opening up and they're bringing their sin and they're bringing their brokenness approach them in gentleness because that's what's needed. So I'm I'm guessing that he's basically saying do both. Yeah. But make sure that you're gentle and not just a bull in a China shop. The only thing I could come up with, and it was more of a practical application type of thing was, all right, like you have to put these things together, right? We have to live righteously. And again, I was thinking about being truthful and applying this in the workplace. One thing that I've learned over time is that, you have to speak truth. So I'll give you a simple example. If you've got someone that's underperforming in your work team, how many times do we see that? And how many times does that go unconfronted? 
Mm-hmm. If that's even a word. <laughs> yeah. How many times do we ignore that because we're we're too gentle or we just we're, we're too afraid, we're too complacent and rocking the boat. But your job as a leader in the workplace, and, and I would even say as a spiritual brother or sister, is not to be complacent in that. It's to ad- address it. However, this is where gentleness comes in. And this is where I, I've learned over time, and maybe it's just because I'm, I'm a relatively calm person, uh, is I can have a hard conversation with somebody at work about low work performance or some other tough thing we're going to try and confront but I don't have to get all fired up. I can yeah. keep my tone very calm and I can try to teach in a way that, that is more loving, but with, but, but still being direct, I'm not going to lie mm-hmm. to you and say that you, Hey, you know what? You're doing just fine. But maybe <laughs> if you just, you're not doing fine. You know, you're, you're missing you your budget goal. We'll just run this into the ground. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie to you and say that you're doing fine. However, I'm here for you. And here are the things that I want to suggest to help you get out from this. And I'm going to help you do that. If you're going to do these things and show me that you're going to do the work. So I can be gentle and direct at the same time. It's, it's the only thing I could pull from that. And, and, and it comes across a little bit, I guess it has more impact that way than you sitting across on the table from me. And I just say, if you don't do this, you're fired and I don't care. You know, yeah. or I start screaming at you and telling you you're, you're worthless or whatever, you know, you, like you see on TV or something. That's really not going to get someone to where they need to be. And if you're really, truly wanting that person to perform for their good, shouldn't you try to help them? Right. But you can cross the line by enabling bad behavior. If, if, if you're not clear and say, look, here's what has to happen or we are going to have to make a change. You know, that that's actually a, a form of love, but but you can do it in a direct and gentle way, I guess, is, is the, the only thing I could pull from that. No, I think that's a, a really good practical application. And, and another application I was thinking for family life, and, and I've failed at this this week, uh, you know, Jen is traveling. And so trying to work my full-time job <laughs> and trying to uh, manage the house and cook dinners and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And I just have so much less patience when I'm trying, in fact, Jason and I put off our recording uh, from last night. Cause I just couldn't get in the right headspace. Cause I was fried from trying to do everything my wife does on a regular basis. And so I've noticed in myself, I'm, I'm being very aware of this on purpose that there might be devotion and I might be pursuing righteousness and I might be trying to do it in faith, but I'm, I've been lacking love and I've been lacking patience and yeah. I've been lacking gentleness. Now that doesn't mean I'm intrinsically bad. It just means that I've got more room to grow and recognizing that is the very first lesson there, because I'm not being gentle with Luke. You know, I, I'm making sarcastic remarks like, well, you're not going to do this. And I guess we're just not going to do an iPad today. You know, and I know that's going to send him over the edge. And then he starts reacting. Like, oh, don't be a baby. Well, I mean, there's a time to be tough and there's a time not to be tough. Yeah. And when your mom is away and you're not used to her being away, your sister's moved off to college. Everything is all up, upside down anyway. Right. So for God's sake, Chris, would you be patient <laughs> and would you be gentle? And the answer is yes, I'll get there. But I'm only five years into being a dad, at least of my own uh, own child. and so. Make sure that you're patient with yourself too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, like we said, a lifelong set of ingredients. And I think that's the key is St. Paul's giving us these things that all work together, but they're difficult. And I want to maybe close up before we go into prayer with these words. Let me, let me add oh, one ahead. more thing there. Oh, no, yeah, go ahead. The patience uh, with yourself is not the same as complacency. And I'm sure our listeners know that, but just to be clear, being patient with yourself does not equal complacency. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. St. Paul puts it this way. It kind of gives us the eye and the prize here. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were called. That's why we're, that's why, that's why this is hard, but that's why this is important. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called. That's, that's it. That's the end goal. He lays that out for us. So, Mm -hmm. all right, man, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, Probably a good time to end in prayer before we we jump into that. Again, I want to remind everybody, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Website's coming along pretty nicely. We're excited. Once we get that out there, it's looking pretty good, but subscribe, do all those kinds of things. And and we hope you share it with your friends and uh, just really hope that you enjoyed tonight. Uh, It was kind of fun to think about how to apply these amazing readings to our everyday life. So, yes. All right. We'll close in prayer in the father, son, Holy spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we just come to you and ask that you help all of us lead lives of greatness. Help us to avoid pursuing comfort and complacency. We know we need to rest. We know that's important. But we also know that we can chase that and that can become an addiction in its own way. So Lord, we just ask that you help us to live these great lives. We ask that you you bless everyone traveling, especially Jen, and uh, just bless our, our listeners. And just thank you for this opportunity to share time with Chris and share time with our listeners. Lord, you said to us in the response to your psalm, blessed he who keeps faith forever, serves justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. We pray that your Holy Spirit will enter into every single heart in the entire world, every single human being, and fill them with a desire for righteousness, a desire against complacency. And we prayed in faith, knowing that we have free will and that many people may reject that, as sometimes Jason and I reject that call and that inspiration. But we pray that you will give us what we need to get to heaven. We pray that you will help us to fight complacency in our own lives. Help us to work, to love, to pray, and serve. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless and stop making a mess of your lives. God bless everyone. (laughs)